This time on episode 405 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hawkeye, season 1, episode 5, Ronin. We have weekly Marvel news, including Tom Holland, Kevin Feige, and Amy Pascal weigh in on Spider-Man's future in the MCU. Disney Plus UK gives their answer to whether Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. And Burton and Birdie dish on that epic episode 4 car chase scene. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show, discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes, as shown on Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Sunday, December 19th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Spectrum Newswide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey gang, happy National Hard Candy Day. I'm going to have to celebrate that one later. Yeah. I think I ate all of mine yesterday on accident, though. What's your favorite hard candy? Lemon Jolly Ranchers. Ooh, I can't do the sour. Did any of you have grandparents that had like that bowl of hard candy and then somehow it like they all get stuck together. So when you go to reach one, you end up like picking up. Yeah, you like, pick the up. whole thing. Yeah. And then it's only one thing. So you get like four pieces of candy. I like the individually wrapped like butterscotch. That's what I like. Those are pretty good. There's a, um, I think the brand is Milka. No, wait, no, that's a chocolate brand. There's Milky, maybe? Anyway, it's a Japanese brand that does, like, they have matcha latte hard candies, and it's really good. I need to be more cultured like you, Lauren. I live by an H-Mart. I adore the H-Mart. All right. Well. Well, let's get on with the rest of the show because we love talking about Marvel. Because of super-powered reindeer. If you'd like to talk to us about super-powered reindeer, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail about how much you like American Christmas at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can share your favorite Christmas gifts with us at our Twitter, Legends of Shield. You can see us on YouTube, youtube.com slash go to geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server where we have a specific spoiler channel. So you won't run into Spider-Man spoilers on our Discord at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. You know, I have to say, one of us lied already at the beginning of the podcast. Do you know which one of us lied? Michelle, do you want to take a stab? Well, it's not so much a lie. It's just that we haven't announced his promotion. So technically, because we have not officially promoted him, he technically was still a consultant at the beginning of the show. Oh, well, I mean, there was a promotion behind the scenes, but... You're right. We have not announced it. It has not been on social media. It has not been on a Discord server. And we have not related it in the podcast in previous shows. So I guess we have to do that now. Chris, congratulations. You are now an agent of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yay. Retroactively, it makes that one appearance where I tried to call myself an agent look not so bad now. Well, that's still going to go on your first performance eval. <laughs> that's fine. Your lanyard should arrive soon. Thank you. Got to have a lanyard to be mm -hmm. a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So congratulations, Chris. We welcome you with open arms and all the accesses and burdens thereof. 
Well, my cats were very excited when I told them. Oh. Okay. Well, that is the rest of our intro. And now we have a very, very special episode of Hawkeye to talk about. Hawkeye Episode 5, Ronin, premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. The IMDb description reads, after a fallout between Clint and Kate, the latter is ready to abandon her dream of becoming a hero, but Kate makes a discovery that changes everything. Chris, as a new agent, I'm going to cold throw this over to you on who directed the episode. This episode, like most of the other episodes we've looked at, was directed by Bert and Bertie. They still have their eight directing credits started in 2006. Indeed, and we will talk about them later. Lauren, you want to talk about the writers? Sure thing. So first off, we have Jenna Noel Frazier, who has two writing credits since 2018, starting with eight of the Romanoffs in this episode of Hawkeye. And as head writer and showrunner, we have Jonathan Eagla, who has seven writing credits starting in 2015, including 33 of Mad Men, one of Masters of Sex, and six episodes of Hawkeye. Now, what exactly happened in the episode of Ronin? Gee, I wonder. Oh, I might have written a synopsis. So here we go. We're going to read this off. In an attempt to inform the viewer what happened between the end of Black Widow, the movie that we saw earlier this year, and seeing Yelena last week in Hawkeye, the episode begins in 2018 with a Black Widow home invasion. A short Black Widow action fight ensues until Yelena ruins a $20,000 rug with red spray paint in a sorority prank. Yelena goes to the washroom to freshen up afterwards as the viewer is treated to a visual effects spectacle of how the snap looked like to somebody who was taken. Now, five years later, Yelena, who was snapped, learns Natasha is dead and the Marvel pre-roll plays. Kate returns to the penthouse, bruised and exhausted, and Eleanor practices her best first aid. Kate informs Eleanor about the evidence mounting against Jack, while Kazi and Maya discuss their next steps to vengeance. Kate Bishop returns to her burnt-out apartment. Yelena shows up and cooks mac and cheese for Kate Bishop, and discusses tourism and reindeer with Kate Bishop. Yelena criticizes Kate Bishop for having one fork. The pair share vigilante concerns before Yelena does a cool exit out the window. Meanwhile, Clint and the pizza dog hang out with Grills. Kate returns home to see Jack taken by the police, and Clint apologizes to Natasha's memory. Kate fills Clint's voicemail inbox to the brim, and the tracksuits jam to the diehard limo theme until Clint delivers a message to meet at the flagpole during recess. Clint slash Ronan tries to talk with Maya and the tracksuits, but ends up in another night street fight worthy of Arrow Season 2, motorcycle departure and all. Clint is finally able to tell Maya that her boss set her up the night that her father died, and Kate saves Clint with a well-placed arrow. Maya sees Kazi as the one who set up her father. Elena finds out Eleanor hired her and passes the picture of her mom and Kingpin to Kate. It's Vincent D'Onofrio. It's an epic Netflix Defenders crossover. Hashtag it's all connected. Ah, and roll credits, including Kingpin's silhouette over the end bits that we've come to know and love. All right. That's what happened. Now we're going to talk about our first impressions. Lauren, what are your thoughts? Ooh, I loved this episode. I love Yelena so much, and I really want a buddy comedy with her and Kate Bishop as roommates. I mean, come on, that ending bit is just, I've been wanting to not let myself hope. So I, I absolutely screamed when it happened. I thought it was a well-paced episode. I really enjoyed the banter at the beginning. Yelena showing us why she's cool and why I enjoy her and hope that, you know, we could have another Black Widow movie starring her. We all knew this was coming. I was calling Eleanor being bad the whole time. My future reading abilities have been confirmed. All right. Well, for my aspect, I really enjoyed the fights at the beginning and the background into Black Widow and the crossover. I love the world building. Got the kingpin in. We're going to talk about that in a second. Got the kingpin in. 
from Netflix Defenders, at least the same actor. I don't know if they're fully going to integrate or not, but it seems like they are. And that's all great. I differ a little bit on the pacing of the episode with Michelle. I thought it wasn't paced all that great, but I'm more than willing to discuss it with Michelle as we get into the actual discussion of the whole thing. Overall, it wasn't my favorite episode. Not really, but it wasn't my worst episode of the series so far. And this is the penultimate one. We only have one more episode left. So we're going to start talking about that epic reveal at the end, which was forecast and foreshadowed for months from Vincent D'Onofrio himself. I got to say, he did a good job of not tipping his hand, but he definitely was there at the end. It was, I think we can all agree that that wasn't anybody else. It was Vincent D'Onofrio who played Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, in the Netflix Defenders series. It could have been his evil twin, Dinsent Vanofrio. Dinsent. Okay. Michelle, what do you think? We've covered all of the Netflix series, even the ones that we didn't want to, but we've covered all of them. What do you think here? It fits. We saw in the last season of Daredevil how Kingpin was operating, trying to make himself look legitimate. It would be interesting to see what version we get like has Fisk been able to redeem himself was he blipped we don't know that would be interesting because if he wasn't blipped that would give him five years to redeem himself or not redeem himself like redeem his public image that's what I mean redeem his public image but still be evil in the background you know who knows I I really enjoyed it just the fact that Kingpin shows up all across Marvel Comics, I think this is the perfect way to pull in all of the Netflix stuff. They've already halfway confirmed that Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil. I still say that's not 100%, but you know, take that as you will. But with him coming in, that's so many possibilities. Plus, I mean, he was the perfect Kingpin anyway. So the fact that they're willing to bring him back into their it's like somebody trying to do um, X-Men without Patrick Stewart. Which they did. Yeah, but that was younger, so that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so I believe Kevin Feige's direct quote on the whole thing is, if somebody was going to play Daredevil in the MCU, it would be Charlie Cox. But he did not confirm that Daredevil was going to be in the MCU. So there's still some ambiguity there. Also, Last episode, I might have implied that Karen Ann Wall was confirmed. She was not confirmed. Vincent D'Onofrio just mentioned that he would like for her to be in the MCU as well. And since he did such a great job of not confirming himself, I mean, I think that was cool. It might be a tip of the hat towards Karen Ann Wall and that she is going to be in future MCU stuff. I hope she is, but I don't know for sure. We still have some mystery. One, it's Deborah Ann Wall. And two, I know you oh. needed to clear your throat there, but that was actually an amazing Kingpin impression. I did try. I tried my hardest to. It's amazing when you're talking and you're trying to clear your throat. You just try to enunciate more. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So ah. if you had just yelled, you embarrassed me in front of Vanessa, just totally. <laughs> you have embarrassed me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, so much good. This episode started off in 2018. We get Yelena going around trying to save as many Black Widow or Widows, I believe that they're called, Widows as she can using the concoction that we saw in the Black Widow film. This leads to a couple of things. First of all, Michelle, you mentioned last time about the crossovers and some stuff happening in the TV series versus some of the stuff happening in the movies, and not everybody's going to see them both. Do you foresee some problems with all this Widow backstory being here in Hawkeye? Of course. We learned that Yelena was blipped in this series, which is called Hawkeye. It was a cool effect, though. Her going into the bathroom and then all of a sudden dust and then coming back and the room changing. I mean, it's not just learning that she's blipped. I mean, we're learning how she was continuing the mission at, from the end of the movie. Again, people are going to see this and say, oh, okay, it's Hawkeye. It's just all about Clint Barton. Not everyone 
reads about what happens in the show. Not everyone listens to podcasts, unfortunately. So there might be some people that are just like, oh, that's Hawkeye, not my favorite character. Don't really want to watch him do stuff. And they're going to miss out. So yes, I'm concerned. Parts of it, though, they could just watch this one episode. And really, there's only one episode after that. So if I knew somebody who was really into Black Widow, really was not into Hawkeye, and with the friendship they have there between Natasha and Clint, I think that's kind of a weird person anyway. But really, it's like, hey, watch these two episodes of Hawkeye and just fast forward through things slow enough to where you can start watching again when you feel like you need to. It's really not that much to catch up on. I hate to put the onus on other people because you're right, Marvel should be making this more accessible to everybody. But YouTube compilations, I don't know. <laughs> That's how I've caught up on a lot of stuff that I'm otherwise not interested in, except for like one storyline. There's usually somebody out there who's put together an explainer or a compilation video. But that said, they shouldn't have to. But that also said, I'm really enjoying this show. <laughs> Michelle, you brought up the blip. You brought up the snap. You brought up the point where Yelena is being dusted and then she comes back together. It's five years later. It's not instantaneous. You see the walls changing in front of her. She comes back and then the walls change in front of her. We have not seen that perspective yet. And yet it was amazing. I really enjoyed seeing what happens to a person as they phase out and then phase back in. It was unique. We haven't seen it before. And I think they did it well. And I have to say that probably the showrunner producers and the effects people on Hawkeye, they had to depend on the MCU Marvel Studios special effects in order to do that to make sure it looked in conjunction with everything else. So from that aspect, this was almost a must-see episode in terms of the entirety of the MCU. So we had other things happen in the episode as well. We had Maya walking around learning. So Maya and Kate and Yelena, they were all working underneath false pretenses, and they all got slapped with the truth in this episode. I thought that was really symmetrically done between the three of them here. And it was great that they all kind of found out at the same time. They all coming to the same conclusion with this being the penultimate episode. I'm glad it happened now. And I'm glad it happened to all three of them in the singular episode. And they were all kind of helping each other out. I mean, Maya had to depend on Clint, but they were all headed in the same direction. I liked that they all kind of realized, hey, it's this one person who's been ruining my life. And it's all done. They all come to it completely differently. You have Maya, who's been going under. It's not entirely a false pretense. I mean, Ronan did kill her father in front of her, but he wouldn't have been there if Kingpin hadn't have tipped him off. Now, why would he do that? Because you're taking out dangerous competition. You're cementing yourself as the head of a thing. If Maya lives, that's somebody who's going to be even more loyal to him because, gasp, this other person did a thing. With Yelena, she finds out that, hey, Kingpin is, or, well, not Kingpin, it's Eleanor Bishop is the one that hired her, right? Yes, that's yeah. what she says, yeah. But she's working with Kingpin. And Kate had chipped away at her surety that, oh, hey, Clint murdered Natasha when Kate's like, um, they were best friends. There's more to it. This person has been lying to you about this motivation. And with Kate, it's you want to believe that your parents are good people. And here she's discovering that her mom is involved in some really shady stuff. So it's these three people who are operating on their current situation is based on a lie. And now the question is, how are they going to move forward with this? I imagine that for Maya and Yelena, it's going to be a lot of murdering. And for Kate, she's probably going, well, I think all of them are going to prove themselves worthy of being heroes, but it's different skill sets. Yeah, I liked how they 
came across it as well. It's interesting what the revelations mean. For Maya, of course, Kingpin using someone else to get rid of the competition um, is one thing. Part of me wonders if Kazi is also working with Kingpin because it seems as though he knew Maya was walking into a trap and could be killed, especially it was like when he was like, oh, either he wanted Ronan dead or he wouldn't have minded if Ronan killed Maya because of that one conversation in the car that they had last episode, Clint and Kazi about, you know, his position and how he's like second and such. So I think it's interesting the pieces that Maya has to put together because well, I think for her, it's the uncle that she knows betraying her father. And then the friend is also betraying her in multiple ways. So for Maya, I think it's, yes, Kate's finding out that her mom is all shady and stuff. But for Maya, it's multiple things that she's finding out. And I really liked how we didn't get the full reaction from everybody. You see Maya's full reaction and putting all the pieces together and who else is going to be involved. You see a little bit of Yelena's reaction and maybe I've been wrong this whole time, but you don't see anything from Kate. It's pretty much just, Hey, here's a picture that you know, that we know as viewers that she got, but we don't really see any of the aftermath from what happens after she sees that picture. No, we don't. And I believe it's probably going to start right back there next episode. So we'll see that as it goes. By the way, we got an excellent girls night in this episode. We had the cooking for each other. You had Yelena cooking for Kate in the burnt out apartment, which I'm kind of surprised that the oven still worked after all the fire damage. But you had that. And I think that was a touching moment between the two and Yelena calling Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop the entire time. And I'm wondering if that's going to continue. I kind of hope so. So that is, as far as I can tell, also kind of a Russian thing. You see this a lot when you read like Russian literature, people will call each other by their full names. But it's also, as Kate pointed out, you're pointing out that you know stuff about me. I want them to be roommates. I want them to be best friends. I want them to keep interacting. I love them both so much. They were great. Yelena, you know, coming off of the Black Widow movie about how she would tease Natasha about, you know, posing and wanting the vest, being able to make mac and cheese, and then finally putting hot sauce on it. That is interesting how she's learned to. Like hot sauce. I have never put hot sauce on my mac and cheese. Has anybody else put hot sauce on your mac and cheese? No. No, but I have a fun fact about this hot sauce in particular. Okay. So I saw this on the internet, you know, take it for what it's worth. And I'm going to refer to everybody as their character names because that's just easier for me. But apparently, Yelena really likes hot sauce and Kate doesn't. So <laughs> her asking if she was done. Yelena asking if Kate was done with the hot sauce and if she can go crazy was real life Yelena asking real life Kate if she can just dump a bunch of hot sauce on it so she can eat the rest of it. Apparently, according to Adana Girl on Twitter, she gave us some behind the scenes information. The whole thing about the cutlerly <laughs> with the one fork and everything that was all improv by the actor that plays Yelena and Kate Bishop just ran with it good for them yeah that was really it felt very natural and with this version of kate you can totally believe that she'd only have enough you know silverware fork cups and stuff for just herself i still have a concern on what this apartment is from because she said that i got this because of the settlement in the death of her father but it was never shown before that. So I still have a concern about where this apartment came. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but there you go. Mm. Her mom works with King Ben. That's what I'm chalking it up to now. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody's got to have that second place, right? And for a rich New Yorker to own multiple apartments, that's not unheard of. 
Oh yeah. Because, well, first of all, real estate investment. And second of all, if you happen to be crashing in a different part in the city, I mean, not everything is a five minute walk in New York City. Oh so, God, no, no. I have visited there once and nothing was a five minute walk. I was born there and oh. yeah, yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. So you're just a kid from Brooklyn? That's right. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Go figure. The one time that's actually come into play. Kazi, I'm wondering how deep he's involved with Kingpin, because obviously there's something there. I just don't know what it is at this point, but I've got my eye on him. Anybody else got their eye on him? Well, yes. Um, of course. Yeah, he's, first of all, yeah, he's in too many of the, I guess, right, wrong, whatever places at the right, wrong, whatever time. And he is a comics character with a history there. And that had me kind of suspicious against him to begin with. I'm just kind of glad that here he's not wearing weird clown makeup. Yeah, I'm glad he's not wearing clown makeup as well. For a variety of reasons, not just yes. because it doesn't fit in with the show, but also well, clown makeup. They were in the KB toys. And let's get back to Jack for a second, because we saw him being arrested. And after Kate mentioned something about it, personally, I think it's a misdirect because in the comics, I don't know anything about this, but I guess Jack is a character called Swordsman in the comics. Yes, he is. So I think that. Eleanor and Jack have set this up just to put Kate at ease, but that he was going to go to the police station and, and iron out everything and that they would move forward. That's just what I think. Jack is just. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, he's rich and they're all working together behind the scenes. So either he's the fall guy or he's just going to iron it all out and blame it on someone else. And so, Michelle, what do you think about the relationship between Eleanor and Jack? It's like. Who's being played? Because Eleanor, we saw Eleanor with Armand in the first episode. She seemed to know a lot more what was going on. Jack just seemed like he was sitting around waiting for an inheritance based off of the conversation at the auction. I could see Jack being someone who's never worked in his life and being oblivious. It would not surprise me if he's completely oblivious and all of a sudden he sees himself. It's like, wait, I'm the fall person. How did this happen? We were dancing and now I'm in jail. I don't understand. I think he's just going to give the cops some of his hard candy and he's just going to get off. Scott. Oh, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Right, Chris? Yeah, I think this is just an old school, like royal marriage. They're... <laughs> marrying each other together in the relationship for their own evil twisted plan political reasons but smart enough to play it off like it's a real thing because the world we live in now you need to at least pretend this is why evil people shouldn't date each other because it's always just a game of okay who's going to be the fall guy first oh actually you should probably just never date an evil person anyway well, that's true, but I have to admit, I really enjoyed Vanessa and Kingpin. Well, yes. Yeah. They definitely had their issues as things went on. So, Michelle, I know you're just chomping at the bit here. There's just a question that you have to ask me that is just burning at you here, especially since we're talking about Hawkeye, which is done during the holiday season. Hey, SP, we've been keeping this running scorecard about how well Hawkeye measures up against the criteria of a Hallmark holiday movie. All right. First of all, it has come to my attention since we recorded last time that there is not just one channel anymore dealing with these holiday movies because of some issues dealing with some political issues, basically, we'll call them. There has been a fracture in Hallmark and then some legal issues as well with Lori Laughlin. There has been a fracture now and there has been an entirely new network set up called GAC Family. So there's not just one network doing this anymore. There's two networks doing the exact same thing with the exact same people. There's two actors that have crossed over and they've signed exclusive contracts with GAC, but the bulk of them 
are free to do whatever they want to back and forth between the two. So just want to set that straight, that that has happened behind the scenes, and I didn't know anything about it until I saw some commercial about Lori Laughlin. I'm like, how is that happening? Because she was fired from Hallmark. Anyway, so you have that. I have to stretch this episode because honestly, I didn't see much. There was like one or two overhead shots we talked about last time, but I really didn't see anything that was directly Hallmark related. Now there's two things that happen in here, which I can say, okay, I kind of see it. First was girls night. I mean, that's kind of typical thing that happens in a Hallmark holiday movie. And the second thing we haven't talked about it yet, but I want to use this as an intro into it. You had Clint crashing on grills couch. So those are my two things. If I've missed something, please let me know. But let's talk about Grills. He's a good buddy. He's not much like the comics character he's based on, but I think that's really for the best in this show. He's, I mean, I guess what we discovered, he's like a firefighter and he's willing to let Clint crash on his couch and he's willing to help out. And he's just a good dude. He's going to end up being that friend to Clint that like Clint's going to look back and like, oh, crap, when did we become friends? I didn't even realize this, but this is somebody I can really count on for everything. Plus, he's willing to give up his bed. You have to be a really good friend to somebody to be willing to give up your bed. Yeah, as someone who has crashed at somebody's place, it means a lot, especially when you want to be a good house guest. I was try to be like the best house cask because I've had awful ones and it's just like, don't be that person. And Grills taught Lucky the Pizza Dog, and who has not been named yet, by the way, Lucky the Pizza Dog, how to do the dance trick. That's pretty cool. I mean, that takes some work and that takes some rapport between the dog and the trainer there. So Grills, I mean, if, if Lucky is into you, then all of us are into you too. All right. One last thing to talk about, at least that I know of. Let's talk about what's going to happen here next episode. And in particular, I want to talk about Clint's family. So, Lauren, what do you think's going on there? So, Laura is totally an agent. We're all agreed on that, right? One way or another, yeah. Yes. She's got some training. I don't know if she's Mockingbird, whatever, but she is totally an agent or an ex-agent, whatever. And... I still think they're going to somehow end up at the Barton farmhouse to celebrate Christmas and possibly have a fight leading up to it. I don't know, but I'm like 90% certain that's going to end up happening. Now, here's my deal. Laura understands that the big guy is now involved and there's nowhere that she can hide from the big guy now or their family. So I think they're going to take the, I've, I've been saying this all along. I, wouldn't be surprised if they end up at the farm, but I think they're going to go to New York City and they're going to join this fight that's going on and possibly leave an opening for Kingpin to return in the future uh, along the way. But I think the kids and Laura are coming to New York City. That's my prediction here. Chris, what do you think about that? I think I'm kind of with you on this one. Getting to the farm, I think, is just a little too much to make everybody that would need to be there show up there. But you only have to bring the family out to New York. And then you can pull some Three Ninjas shenanigans there with all the kids, too. So, you know, just have some fun with it. On the travel thing, I have to defer to our previously covered episodes that we did on The Punisher, where everything is like a three-hour drive from New York City. So it's possible. It's still a lot of people to coordinate, though. I don't disagree. Michelle, what do you think? Yeah, I think people are coming to New York. I think you can go to New York, resolve everything. Kate has a fallout with her mom and then Clinton Laura is just like, you know what, have Christmas with us at the farm and then it ends with the farm and then Yelena's there, hopefully making mac and cheese for Clint's kids. All right, so time for last thoughts here, and I leave you with one question. We already asked it on Twitter, but I'm sure the three of you didn't pipe up on it. So I'm just going to ask you to go on record here. So what are your final thoughts? And the question of the episode is, will Yelena's dog, Fanny, meet Kate's dog, Lucky the Pizza Dog? Lauren? I want them to. I want them. I want their dogs to be best friends. I want them to be best friends. Yeah, like I said earlier, I 
loved this episode. I don't think it was quite as, I guess this one was very much like set up for the finale, but I just love Yelena and Kate so much. I'm going to say no. The dogs will not meet up in this series. I think they're going to hold that back for the next time that Kate and Yelena meet up. But the show has been so much fun so far in this episode. I mean, yeah, it had its good points and everything, but it is definitely... I almost wish they had just released this in the finale at the same time, so I could have just rolled straight through. You mentioned the dog, and I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. I have to... Content warning. Sadness. There's this episode of Futurama where... (laughs) Fry's dog is waiting. We need to remember yeah. that Yelena was blipped. We do not know what happened to the dog. I'm so sorry. It, the dog is, it's five years and we don't know, like, did the widows find the dog and take care of the dog? We don't see Yelena with the dog. It, I'm so sorry. It's just, we have to realize that Maybe the dog wasn't flipped and the doggy is. Anyway, I'm so sorry because that was my thought when, you know, mentioning the dog. And it's like, I'm sorry. I brought in sadness. Sorry about this. <laughs> uh, and I, don't, um, I actually like this episode. We had it moved from girls night to Clint telling maya maya having all these revelations so for me i liked it i agree with chris it would have been nice just to go right on in to the finale i wonder if the finale might be a little longer a lot of these episodes have been like 45 minutes maybe 50 perhaps the finale might be a little bit longer i hope so because i don't want it to be rushed like all of a sudden they're in a room with Kingpin and you're just like, well, how did everyone get there? I really, I hope they stick the landing. Like everything else, it's rough start, but it has the potential of having a really cool ending. Okay. So Michelle, to counter a bit of that sadness, remember that she had the dog when she visited Natasha's grave. So it was after the blip. Okay. This, this puts my mind at ease. Also, in Jurassic Park, he was sitting there for years waiting for Fry. I know. I know. Yeah. Dogs do that. But we don't know. Again. We didn't see it happen, so it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You we just, I mean, okay, she had a dog. Yep. Fanny was the dog's name. Yeah. So, okay, but we still don't know if Fanny, how old Fanny is now. So I'm sorry to bring in sadness, but the way just again, fan theory, this is the fanfic writer in me. I imagine that she got the dog after she came back and was like, wow, everything moved on. I need basically I need a, an emotional support animal to kind of ground me. Then who's taking care of Fanny right now? She's at work. Another widow? Anna? Anna? However you pronounce it? Anna's got the family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It was important, I think, to denote the fact that she had to adopt because none of the widows have their reproductive organs left, right? According to the Black Widow movie. So it was important to denote that they had adopted. Maybe Fanny was kept by her dad because she mentioned her dad with mac and cheese. You know, we don't know. Maybe mom and dad was not blipped. And they're together somehow because they went with the widows. Maybe they're in charge of the widow and then they took care of Fanny. Okay, so here we go. We're curing the sadness that Michelle thought. (laughs) They're running a halfway house for wayward black widows and they're taking care of the dog who is not allowed anywhere near Melina. So she won't do like science experiments on it. (laughs) You know what? It all works out. It all works out. I went back after I watched the episode to watch Black Widow before we recorded here, just so I could get everything straight in my head and everything. And I'm glad I did, because even though it wasn't an epic Avenger, we talked about it before, it wasn't an epic Avenger level movie. It was still a fun movie to watch, and I'm grateful that I went back to watch it. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. So at the end of that, she was approached by Valentina. So does that mean that Kingpin is working with her 
or something. We don't. Yeah, because that was also in Falcon and Winter Soldier because of him becoming U.S. agent. So, okay. There are now a lot of pieces on the board. And don't forget that you brought up the widows in the training compound at the end of Shang-Chi. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Which I still haven't gone back to confirm or deny or whatever. But I will take you on your word because I didn't see them or anything. But they totally could be there. There's a lot of pieces that are coming together here. And they've done an excellent job with it. Very tiny piece at the very beginning of the Black Widow movie. Baby Yelena asks Melina for mac and cheese for dinner. And they, oh, yeah. And they ask about food, and he says something about, I've got gummy bears or something for the plane ride or something like that. Anyway, I love the discussion here. It makes me feel a lot better on the episode than I had really going in. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much after until we discussed about it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the final episode. I think this was a great penultimate episode. Really was. Really set up all the pieces on the board for what's going to happen in the finale, which is just in a couple of days as we record this. We had to shift the recording time till Sunday versus Thursday. So just in a couple of days, we're going to get the finale. And for everybody out there, we will be recording the day after on Thursday, the 23rd, on our final thoughts on Hawkeye. And that'll be the last episode that we do for 2021 well, we'll come back for 2022 and we definitely have eternals coming in january so we'll get all that in the meantime we have some great news to talk to you about about marvel studios well this week as we're recording this uh, spider-man no way home came out a lot of people are enjoying it. In fact, we have some news about what could be happening after No Way Home. Okay, so in all the press tours and everything, Kevin Feige from Marvel and Amy Pascal from Sony were in an interview where they mentioned, okay, well, let me just read what they said. Pascal said, we're producers, so we always believe everything will work out. I love working with Kevin Feige. We have a great partnership along with Tom Rothsman, who runs Sony. I hope it lasts forever. Feige chimed in saying, Amy and I and Disney and Sony are talking about, yes, we're actively beginning to develop where the story heads next, which I only say outright because I don't want fans to go through any separation trauma like what happened after Far From Home. That will not be occurring this time. And the separation trauma that they're referring to was when... Disney and Sony briefly entered their partnership. We talked about that and we were like, oh my God, are we getting another one? They have to do it because of the ending for this one. Adding on to that, Tom Holland has reportedly signed on for a fourth Spider-Man film already in development. And that's basically it. Holland said the new deal that was struck up was this understanding between the two studios that should Marvel want me to appear in one of their movies, it would be an open conversation. He continued, I don't think it's as black as white as I have a three picture deal with Marvel and a three picture deal with Sony. It's just this open conversation. He's also stated, maybe it is time for me to move on. Maybe what's best for Spider-Man is they do a Miles Morales film. I have to take Peter Parker into account as well because he's an important part of my life. If I'm playing Spider-Man after I'm 30, I've done something wrong. Which he later clarified as, I don't know what the future of Spider-Man looks like. I don't know whether I'm going to be a part of it. Spider-Man will always live on in me, and I know that Amy Pascal and the studio are keen to figure out what the next chapter of Spider-Man looks like. So it looks like we're getting more Spider-Man. It's unsure if we'll get more Tom Holland as Spider-Man or just showing up to be like, you got this. But considering how big this one just opened, I figure they're going to do more along with this whole area. And it's not just Miles Morales that Tom Holland has given a of the hat too right chris uh no we didn't hear it here but there is also the other alternate earth i'm forgetting the number right now but gwen either spider gwen or ghost spider depending on which version of the writing you're looking at and that is the super awesome white suited girl spider from into the spider verse for anybody who can't remember 
that is my favorite spider person. That is who I want to see have a movie for real. I think the bottom line here is that Sony and Marvel Studios are working together for a future in the Spider-Man verse, both within the MCU and within their own movie universe over at Sony, and that Tom Holland is giving nods to a more diverse Spider-Verse, which I think would be great if it would be taken up. So lots of great stuff there. And we will talk about the box office numbers for Spider-Man. We're not going to talk about the Spider-Man movie until it comes out streaming because none of us are want to be mandated to go into theaters as much as we might want to go or not. But we will talk about the box office when we record next time. But spoiler, it looks like it is a record setter. For our next story, there's always a debate about what is a Christmas movie, what isn't. You know, we have Lethal Weapon, we have the eternal diehard debate. Well, it looks like Iron Man 3 has entered this conversation. Okay, we've talked about it before, and I think all of us here are in agreement that it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. But when it came to Disney Plus, particularly Disney Plus UK, they had a Merry Christmas collection in celebration featuring over 40 titles. And Iron Man 3 was not in there. I still think it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. But I realize that is a hot take. I like Die Hard. I don't want to say anything against that. But I think a lot of people saying it's a Christmas movie are really stretching out the definition of what a Christmas movie is. That movie could have taken place any other time of year, would have been perfectly fine. And I think it's just a way for people to watch a not super sappy Christmas movie over Christmas. All of that being said, I haven't looked at what Disney Plus UK has in their collection for these Christmas movies. So maybe... Iron Man 3 is just too far out there compared to everything else. Like, I don't know how close everything else is that they have on the list is tied to Christmas. Well, they have Die Hard and Die Hard 2 on there. Yeah, so Originals, Home Sweet Home Alone, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, Hawkeye is listed there, Once Upon a Snowman, Godmother, High School Musical, The Musical, The Holiday Special, Noel, Castle Ulog. And then, yes, Home Alone, The Muppets Christmas Carol, which if you've never seen it, I really enjoy that. Die Hard, Die Hard 2, The Santa Claus, A Muppets Christmas Letter to Santa, which I haven't seen, ironically. Home Alone 2, 3, 4. Home Alone 4. There was a Home Alone 4? Yeah, now there's a Home Alone 5. They stop after 2, don't worry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus 3, so Tim Allen's in there, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, and on the animated side... You have The Nightmare Before Christmas, Mickey's Christmas Carol, A Christmas Carol, Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, Mickey's Once Upon a Time, Mickey's Upon Twice a Christmas, Winnie the Pooh, A Very Merry Pooh Year, and then some shorts, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, you gotta get Frozen in there, right? Ice Age, A Mammoth Christmas, Pluto's Christmas Tree, and some favorites, including Olaf Presents, Frozen, Ice Age, Togo, Frozen 2, Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the only one, by the way. It's just the first one there. Edward Scissor's Hands, which I can see. Frozen Fever, Cool Runnings. <laughs> okay. Lego, Frozen Northern Lights, and then the Home Alone series, including Home Alone, The Holiday Heist, and Home Sweet Home Alone. So, Chris, do you think Iron Man 3 would fit in that long list? Okay. So, hearing Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Makes me think that's just kind of been in the public consciousness. That doesn't sway me at all. Cool writings, though. Yeah, Iron Man should have been in the group of movies here. Okay. And this was just Disney UK's list. This is not the definitive Marvel or Disney. Is Iron Man 3 a holiday movie or not? Kevin Feige himself said, yes, it is. So I tend to go with Kevin Feige versus not. But it is a argument that happens every year i mean it usually sends around die hard but now among geeks like ourselves it's like well is iron man 3 included in there there you go and finally we have hawkeye news uh, especially about the car chase in episode four okay so bert and birdie discussed the car chase in episode three where they were saying oh the car chase was so much fun was that something you know you wanted to do from the start birdie says 
It was the thing we read that we were most excited about, opening the script for episode three and going, wait, there's an action sequence that's basically half of this episode. One of the standout moments people are talking about is that opening shot with a 360 degree revolving camera. That's something very early on we decided we want to do because we wanted to stay with Kate and Clint in this car on this journey as the tracksuit mafia are chasing them. Was there ever a time when you were thinking you'd do the entire sequence as a one or so like just the one shot like we've talked about? Bert says, yes, there was. You go in with these huge ambitions, but we very quickly realized that the essence of the one is that we stay with the characters. The action is kind of happening around them, but we wanted to stay with them. So the moment Kate gets out of the car, if you're following that rule, then the camera goes out of the car with her. And so that's what happened. We just had to figure out how to get it out of the car. Talking about the trick arrows. Was there a brainstorming session where you tried to come up with all these different kind of trick arrows? Bertie says, constant brainstorming. That's what's amazing about the Marvel process. They're all about plussing. How can we plus this? From what other arrows can we put in the car chase came what would be the arrow that could be used to stop Kazi and his truck in the Christmas tree car lot? So the situations led to new arrows. The smoke arrow appeared earlier on in the chase and it was too much there. It didn't really serve a purpose. So it came back later when Kate was trying to get Maya's car to crash. How early was the Pym arrow introduced into the mix? Way, way earlier, says Bert. That was one of the things that was in the script very early on. Then the challenge was figuring out how we were going to do it so it was believable. Because the tone of the show is so real that something like that giant arrow really stood out for us. We needed to ground it with the emotion of the guys inside the truck. And then Bertie added, and here's something we haven't spoken about yet. When we were first going to do the Pym arrow, the giant arrow was going to go straight at Kazi's truck and split it down the middle. That sounded great on paper, but we pre-vised it and you couldn't quite figure out what was happening. Once we decided to do the up and down apex of the arrow, you could see the whole thing. It was just staking this huge arrow on the Manhattan Bridge, and it meant that the truck literally broke in half. Discussing Echo, what were the conversations like about how you wanted to approach that character? They both said it was a huge learning curve. Alakwa brought so much to it. Maya's story, for obvious reasons, mirrors Alakwa's story in many ways. I think for us and with Alakwa, it was about looking at these things that people might term as disabilities and actually using those as her superpowers. So the fact that she's a non-hearing person means that her sense of observation, heightened awareness as she walks into the room and observes things, is a superpower. Her prosthetic leg, we see that Clint tries to hockey stick it out of the way, and she swings that metal leg at him, and it takes his hearing aid out. So using what could be considered her weaknesses as strengths was a huge part of the character formation. And finally, they're talking about when Yelena shows up. Bertie says, so much of Hawkeye is seeing the words, the world, through the character's point of view. So at the end of episode four, we're with Kate Bishop as she's seeing this person who she has no concept of who she is and how she's going to fit into the story. But there's this connection and you can see and feel the presence of this new character, which Bert added, when you're directing actresses like Florence and Haley, they bring so much to it. There was this immediate natural chemistry between them, which I can't say anything else, but you know, when they give you that, it's this gift and all you want to do is take care of it and, and unwrap it slowly which I hope means that they're going to be roommates. Also, Kevin Feige basically directed that they shoot the car scene during the daytime versus nighttime because there was too many nighttime shots. For that, I want to say thank you very much, Kevin, because the one thing that I really dislike about action TV shows and movies is all the action happens at night, so they can hide a lot of stuff. I get why they do that, but it's just incredibly difficult for me to follow even on a really good TV meant to bring out those details that is in the dark. So I really appreciated the changes and the continuous action in that scene. Yeah. The entire thing was just so beautifully done and I can't imagine it any other way that would be even close to what they managed to pull off. Yeah. I like the daytime as well. And also they talked about how a lot of it was practical and you could tell having practical effects, you know, having practical, you know, effects, you can tell. I mean, I really like how they just tried to do practical first and then fill it in with CGI when necessary. 
Yeah, and we also were looking at other news stories for the week, including some Shang-Chi and what's going on with the future of that. We had a report that Latita Wright is actually going to be confirmed, be back with the filming of Black Panther 2 in January, and that Scarlett Johansson dished a little bit more about her coming back to produce for Marvel after her lawsuit. And we didn't talk about it, but there is a Hawkeye promo for the finale episode that does include Kingpin in it. All of that will be in the show notes. Go ahead, check that out, and you can get your fill on that. Could I add something? Yes. This week, I don't know if you've been listening. I didn't have a chance to um, put it in, but a lot of people who were around Chaswick Bozeman professionally and also personally were talking about how Chadwick thought of the Black Panther role as beyond himself. And that it should not go away. And they're pointing out that Chaswick Bozeman would not be insulted if Black Panther was recast, if T'Challa lived on. I just thought it was a very interesting discourse that was happening this week. Yeah, his brother actually weighed in on it and said, yeah, I think he'd want the role to go on. I think that's important right now because of all the difficulties that they have been having with Letitia Wright, even if they haven't, Letitia Wright, even if they haven't had actual difficulties, there's perception that there's difficulties there. So also, I think if you take a look at where they're going into the stars now, into space, into the outer space in the universe, Black Panther was really involved in all that stuff. So. I'm fine with them bringing that forward, but I'm also fine with them not. So it really depends on what Marvel ultimately decides to do here. Well, Michelle, what do you think? I think we should make some mac and cheese and then swan dive out the window. Oh my gosh, that swan dive. That was straight out of any Batman that I've seen and everything with the grappling hook and and getting him out and everything. Oh, lots, (laughs) lots, lots to unpack with that scene in Kate Bishop's apartment. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to everybody. I want to say if you want to get back with us on anything that we've talked about in this episode, please go ahead and get a hold of us. There is our Twitter account at Legends of Shield. There is our voicemail account, 844 the bus one or 844-843-2871. And you can also catch us on our Discord server at getageek.com slash Discord. Talk to us about the finale. Talk to us about this episode and your takes on where we thought everything was going to be. We would appreciate that. And also I want to once again welcome Agent Chris to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining our troop more permanently, and we look forward to many, many, many episodes with you countering what I have to say. Well, that's the most fun part of this whole thing anyway, right? Is to have somebody who doesn't think the exact same way as you. That's what makes it definitely a entertaining audio to listen to. But you, outside of here, have your own podcast, and you had a couple of things happen since we recorded last time. I did episode that just came out this morning was looking at the space adventure which is a sega cd visual novel type thing that gets really weird as you would expect and before that we had an episode talking to one of the hosts of uh, the wheel weaves podcast mostly talking though about the special spoiler centered wiki that they're helping to run for the wheel of time called splicky which, you know, if that's something that you like, the idea of a wiki where people don't have to worry about seeing spoilers as they look things up, definitely go check that out. That's S-P-L-I-K-I. I'd like to thank everybody who's listening. We hope that we've been able to make your day a little brighter. And again, if you want to flail with us, because we're very obviously flailing here about everything. We would also love to hear from you and just thank you so much for spending time with us. And Lauren, you are also involved in a lot of other things outside of this podcast. And recently in the outtakes, you have 
regaled the fact that you are now an actual real person on IMDb. So why don't you tell everybody what's up with that? Yeah, I have an IMDb page now and it's nuts. I, when I'm not podcasting, do more voice work, including audiobooks now and anime, audio dramas, things like that. You can find everything that I'm in at my website, lwsalinas.com. And if you want to hire me to do voiceover stuff for you, I'm here. Yeah, thank you to everyone who listens, interacts with us on Twitter, leaves YouTube comments. And remember, we do have a Discord where we do have a channel dedicated to this podcast. We keep that spoiler fee free. We do have a spoiler channel, which I have muted because there is a big Spider-Man conversation happening. And I'm trying to avoid not so much spoilers, but also opinions on the spoilers. So that's another thing that happens in that channel. It's not so much, hey, here's this spoiler. It's they're talking about the discourse of all the stuff that happens in the movie. And Michelle, when you're not doing amazing work here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. in your free time, you also are participating in other creative endeavors as well. I have on Tuesdays over New uh, Nerds with Dice channel, I play in a Rifts game. I don't know if you're talking about something else. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nerds with Dice, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. The next two weeks, we're going to do some um, weird. I don't know if they're going to be canon. Our DM, we do these one shots and then he secretly makes them canon. He's amazing. It's Kevin. Again, it's Nerds with Dice, 8 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Can confirm that Nerds with Dice is fantastic and that the game that Michelle plays in is also fantastic. Thank you. Just lots of good people all around. There'll be links in the show notes to all of those. All right, guys. We've had a fantastic time, but it's time to say goodbye for now because I have to edit this and get it out before the next episode comes. So until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. Still thinking about Fanny and Lucky meeting each other. See you, everybody, next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Could there be puppies? <sighs> Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hey, Lauren. Yep. I can't count, apparently. <laughs> yeah, as a rocket scientist, that happens from time to time with me. But we know <laughs> how bad you are with math, so I think it's all good. I didn't used to be. I used to know calculus. Well, just take a refresher on YouTube. You'll get back into it. Uh. <laughs> hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good, Yo. how are you? I'm good. Good to hear. So I learned all about Wheel of Time, I guess, and the wiki. Yes! I'm enjoying it. Um, my Same. Wife, some of the changes they're making to the show versus the books. But some of that is just because she is really, really into the books. And so it's inevitable. I have never read the books. I started on the first one. Well, I'm 100 stack pages them up, they're in. taller than you. Yeah, I'm 100 pages in, and they have just left Emmonsfield. It's very fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't know anything about it, but his last episode over on Play Comics was all about wiki creation, and the wiki <sighs> creation was on a podcast that covers, is it Wheel of Time? Is that it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, it's... I am in love with the costumes and the acting and the scenery and I'm just very, very happy with it.
So I went on, I finally finished my West Wing rewatch and I went to Amazon to start a rewatch again of Expanse. And I saw it there and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's where it is. Yep. Oh, and um, Witcher season two dropped yesterday. I still have to watch season one. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, I'm so happy. Siri is my wonderful little murder daughter. There's a game where you can play as a sugar glider. I'm adding that to my wish list. I don't know if y'all saw the, um, somebody took a picture. Hey. Hey, Michelle. Hey. Somebody put it, took a picture of a um, clothing store dummy that looked like Kingpin and captioned it. You embarrassed me in front of Vanessa. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> So yesterday, I had to repair one of the toilets in the house. I put a new flapper in, but it was still going every once in a while. So it wasn't the flapper. It was the refill valve. Mm. So I had to go out, buy a refill valve, and I brought it in. One of the problems with replacing the refill valve is the hole that it goes into never completely drains into the bowl. Once you shut everything off and you flush it and everything. You have to put a bucket or something underneath the toilet so that no water will get down. But the problem there is the freaking hose that goes from the floor of the wall into the fill bowl uh, back of the toilet. It's always in the way of the bucket. So you can never not get any water on the floor. Mm -hmm. And the particular toilet that I was working on was on a wooden floor which you don't want to get wet. So I'm like stuck between a rock and a hard place, literally and figuratively. Finally got it done. But this just annoys me that they can't engineer something so that you could fit some sort of a bucket or bowl underneath so that you can drain the water without having it spill everywhere. My frustrations. Witcher season two is really good. Woohoo. Yay. Yeah. And we're out. Because Lucky's a boy, right? Yes, Lucky is a boy. Yes, Lucky is, I think. Well, the character's a boy, the dog is a girl. Yes. Right. But Granny's supposed to be a girl. Yep. So, puppy. I mean, with a name like that, it's every time I hear it, it makes me laugh because Fanny is slang for vagina. Oh, in Russian or just? No, in like the UK. Oh, okay. And I think Australia. Okay. Everything is slang for vagina in Australia. That's also true. Everything can also kill you in Australia. That is, that also, is true. also also true. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> uh, so I am officially colon cancer free. Hey! Congratulations yay. on that. Yeah. So I have to go back for another test in a few years, but got that out of the way. Grats. Good. I am cooking a primer roast. So I picked that up uh, the day before we record. So I will let you know what it looks like. All right. I'm cooking it for Christmas. So let's see. Be sure to have some macaroni to go with it. So we were looking at side dishes. Macaroni is, is one of the side dishes, believe it or not, to have with prime rib. And I don't know if you knew that or not, or if you were just macaroni goes with everything. Yeah. Practically, yeah. Yeah, macaroni and then creme brulee mm, yeah. for dessert. Yeah, and uh, Yorkshire pudding is the other that people go with. So, I don't know. We haven't made a decision yet. No, creme brulee, you get to play with fire. Right, which I'm all about, you know, being a rock scientist. <laughs> yeah. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.